The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at Sons of Liberty Media.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you slide over, you're listening to Red State Talk Radio and you slide over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com, scroll down right on the right side of the page. There's two videos there. Excuse me. And I don't know what it is. Right before... I go on the radio, everything is fine. As soon as the time starts going and the music starts going, <clears throat> I just have to constantly clear my throat. So I apologize for having to do that so much. I don't know what it is. Uh, but in any case, scroll down right on the uh, right side of the page, and you will see there's two videos there. The bottom one is the morning show that we're live right now on the bottom. And then the top one is Bradley's show from yesterday. And uh, you can watch that, and then he'll be live at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Sons of Liberty, Liberty Media.com. <clears throat> so don't forget that. Also, right above that, please subscribe to our newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email out. We don't sell it. We don't track it. We're not trying to send you stuff in your email or spam you or any of that other stuff. That's that's probably right, Suzanne. I, <clears throat> I get this cough about twi- once or twice a year. Depends on how bad it is. And it'll stay with me for like, I don't know, a month or something. So I have to be careful going in stores because, you know, if you go in there going coughing and stuff, they're going to ask you to leave or tackle you or something. I don't know. Um, Anyway, subscribe to the newsletter. You get all the articles. When I talk about the archive in the morning, I put up the archive with the video portion of the show, the podcast, and all the information that we talk about on the show so that you can go back and look at it yourself and you can check it out yourself. Um, That's in that email. Okay, it's also all is available at SonsLibertyMedia.com. Also, if you believe in the message that we share with you every day and you want to contribute to that and you want to help, look, we have needs to do that. Okay, it costs money to do it. And we ask that if you have the ability, if God's put on your heart to do it and you agree with the message that we have to support us in that, there's a donate button at the top of SonsLibertyMedia.com. There's also a way where you can become a monthly partner 
Uh, we call them our Sons and Daughters of Liberty. That's also at the top of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And also, our store is available. So if you want T-shirts, coffee mugs, water bottles, hats, um, I call them toboggans. But up in Minnesota, you know, they have some weird names for things. They call them winter caps. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, they'll keep your head warm, that's for sure. They really will. They really will do that. All right, so... Um, yeah, I you know guys, I have some things that uh, Victor's wife, Victor Porlier, used to be on with me on Tuesdays. Uh, his wife sent me several of these packets last year because I had the cough so bad, and um, <clears throat> they're these elderberry um, kind of lozenges. So they're they're really great, uh, but they're in my cabinet here right now. And see, this stuff doesn't hit me till right when we're getting <laughs> to start. So <laughs> that's the problem. That's the problem here. All right. <clears throat> I got several things I'm going to play for you, and I don't know when we're going to be able to get this particular doctor on. We've got a um, a message into her and waiting on her to call, but I think her her message is so important that I'm going to play it the last part of the show. Okay, so I've got to get a lot of stuff out of the way here first before I play it. Some of you have seen it, some of you have not. I've had it out for. I don't know, a week or a week and a half, something like that. And uh, we're going to get to that in a moment. But I want to hit a couple of things really quickly. One is, <clears throat> if you guys didn't see this, you can check it out at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Frontier Airlines claims federal law. They claims a federal law for face mask wearing. There is no federal law. The CDC does not make law. Neither does Joe Biden. There is no federal law. They then proceed to kick a family off their plane because their baby doesn't have a face mask on. And that's in violation of their own policies. Now you can see the video where they're they're making this family. They look like they're a Jewish family, but they, they, they're trying to make them leave the plane because their baby, who, they're, who they are carrying in a baby seat, doesn't have a mask on. But if you'll notice, if you go to the Frontier website, this is what it says. Face coverings are not required for children under the age of two. This thing has gotten way out of hand. The fact that people are told they must wear the face diaper, the shame muzzle, the Petri dish on your face is what it is. You're the one that's going to get sick. Okay? You're the one that's going to get sick. But we talked with uh, Kate Shimarani and Dr. Kevin Corbett about this. Even when they worked with patients, they only did it if they were in close proximity. And the whole point of that is, from what I can see and what I've understood, is to keep blood and everything else from getting in your mouth. If you're dealing with somebody, they're spit, whatever. Because it's certainly not going to stop the microscopic, you know, all these things that are coming out of your mouth that you're breathing out. It's just not going to do it. This is the, I I, got to tell you, this is one of the stupidest things I have ever seen in my life. And I'm, I'm just amazed that the people are so ignorant that they are complying with it. Not just on the planes, even in places where 
they're not going to tackle you like the guy up in Canada at the tire store with handcuffs. I'm telling you right now, that probably would not have ended well if somebody did that down here in South Carolina. Somebody might have been going to the hospital over that or the morgue. Because in essence, that's kidnapping. They don't have any authority to be putting handcuffs on people. Come on. And there were like four or five guys, employees, chasing this guy down because he didn't have a mask on. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's number one. Number two is, and we'll drive this all into what we're doing here, okay, as we lead up to this interview. And it <clears throat> it may go beyond the show because it's, it's roughly right at half an hour. So I'm trying to get all this in here. Um, you guys, <clears throat> I don't know if some of you endured the pontification and chest beating of President Trump at the CPAC meeting. Um, and I got to tell you, I just, I just don't see a lot of conserving from that, from the CPAC. I don't see a lot of conservative, I don't see them conserving anything. I see them chasing after the next whatever. Party it up. I don't see, they get all these names in there. And if you were to go and to talk with many of these people who are on stage talking and ask them what the first what the Ten Commandments are, they couldn't tell you. And if they if you ask them what the first ten amendments to the Bill of Rights are, they couldn't tell you. But they're supposed to be conservatives. How are they to conserve what they don't even know? Many of them are promoting things that are just downright not conservative. But we had President Trump there, and I spoke a little bit about President Trump yesterday, I know some people got their feathers all out of, you know, whack and all. That's fine. You didn't call in. You didn't correct anything. You just called me names, which shows me that you have nothing. Okay? That I'm telling you the truth. And that's all I'm out to do is tell you the truth. But here's what happened. Trump told all of his supporters, everybody go get your shot. Now, he rightfully claimed... um. He rightfully claimed that he was responsible for the vaccine rollout. He, 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 he is responsible for it. And we're going to give him all the credit for it and all of the adverse effects and all of the deaths he's going to own too. He doesn't want to own those. He wants to own the other because it makes him look good. And this is the problem with Trump. He will tell you all of the things that he think is good. He'll never mention all of the mistakes, all of the problems that he created by doing the things he did. For instance... Leaving office, adding almost $9 trillion in debt. And when you start adding the interest on that, it's way more than that. Okay? It's way more than that. So, he told the supporters, go get your shot. Go get your shot. He also briefly mocked Biden and... Biden, look, Biden's low-hanging fruit. He's easy to mock. He really is. For for suggesting earlier this month that the U.S. didn't have a COVID-19 vaccine on the market before he took office. Well, it's not on the market, so to speak. It's still experimental. It's never been approved. And even if it's approved, everybody knows, if you've done the research... There's all kinds of problems with every vaccine that's even been approved by the FDA. This was approved by unelected bureaucrats. Okay? mRNA vaccine. 
this hasn't been done in history. You're the guinea pigs, America, and your president, your former president, tells you to get this experimental jab for something that you don't even need it for. And I'm going to I'm going to play another little clip. It's about two minutes from another doctor, and we are going to have her on, Lord willing, at the end of the month, who warns you about what's in it. And that you're not going to get it out of your system. There is no detoxing if you take this. Okay? President Trump said, Joe Biden is only implementing the plan that we put in place. And if we had an honest media, which we don't, they would say it loud and clear. Well, I'm saying it loud and clear, Mr. President. You did put it in place. I think you did it unconstitutionally with your whole Operation Warp Speed and using the military to do this stuff. I think you did it unconstitutionally by spending billions of dollars to your big pharma pimps that you say were mad at you, but there's no way they're mad at you when they're getting all that money. There's just no way. Yep, you, you put it all in place. And they had millions of these vaccines in storage, and and they had already got them in before they even got the emergency authorization. General Pernas told us that on the 60 Minutes clip that he was on. This was Donald Trump telling you to do that. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Okay, Hopefully we're going to have her on the end of the month. This lady is really, really smart in... I mean, she's been a physician for years. She actually has patients she deals with, unlike Anthony Fauci, who can't remember which army got the jab in. Um, but Dr. Sherry Tenpenny warns about those who have taken the vaccine. Now, in a previous interview, she said she's, that we're really going to see the, the effects of these vaccines three to six months out. Okay. Here's Dr. Tenpenny on a couple of things. If you've had your shot, you need to hear this because there are some things you need to do. Um, But you're not going to get rid of it. It's not going out of your body, according to Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Uh, Here she is. FDA has broken federal law at least twice, at least twice, by issuing an emergency authorization for this shot that we can't call a vaccine. Number one, in order for them to get this approval... There can be no other thing out there available for treatment. We've got pharmaceuticals, we've got things that are off-label we can use, and we've got nutraceuticals, and we have homeopathic homeopathy that can work. And the second thing is, is that the, the vaccine or the shot needs to be less toxic than the infection they're trying to prevent. We've got 12,000 recorded adverse events and 60, 650 deaths in less than three months for a, an infection that has a 99.91% survival rate. I would say that the, this injection is multiple times more deadly and dangerous than what this virus is. That's two federal violations. And there's probably more, but those are two that I can speak to very well. So this is not, and this is not just another shot. This isn't just like a flu shot or, oh, I guess I'll just get, go get my vaccine. It's just like a flu shot or a shingle shot. It's not. Once you get this injection, there's no detoxing from it. There's no un, being unvaccinated. It's in your system, and it's like an on button that's not going to turn off. Now, what can you possibly do to slow that down? 
high, high doses of vitamin C ascorbates. If you have friends or family members that have had this injection, they need to get powdered vitamin C ascorbates, not ascorbic acid, vitamin C ascorbates, and look up a couple of protocols that you can find on the internet to do something called take it to bowel tolerance. The other thing is probably somewhere between two and 400 milligrams of coenzyme Q10 per day. And that's going to help with your brain, your heart, and your mitochondria. But I get questions every single day. I was forced to get this because of my job. I was forced to get this because I, or I didn't know any better and I got it. Or I was afraid. I was so terrified of getting this infection. I just went and got it. What can I do to reverse it? To my knowledge and to all my circles of people, nothing. So the best we can possibly do is get your D level up to 80, get your iodine level up to 80, uh, take vitamin C ascorbates to bowel tolerance, and um, take very large doses of coenzyme Q10, which should be in a gel cap, not a powder. If you're getting one in a powder, you're kind of wasting your money. It's not going to do you any good. Okay, that's Dr. Sherry Tenpenny uh, on what's going on there. Notice what she started out with. The FDA broke federal law twice that she listed. Okay? Now, remember, the FDA works in close conjunction with the CDC. And if you remember the other week, I did a show on this. An institute believes the CDC violated federal law concerning COVID stats and methods. Thick as thieves, aren't they? Birds of a feather. This is what you get when you put unlawful, unconstitutional agencies in place. Anybody want to call up and tell me different? I'll take your call. 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. Call me up and tell me, article, section, and clause, where we authorize the federal government to be involved in anything regarding health care. That would include the CDC. That would include the FDA. Where we told them, yeah, you have authority to determine our our food, what foods we'll eat, and what uh, drugs we're going to take, and whatever. Uh, Call. 215-TOP-TOP. I'm I'm happy to take your call. But article, section, and clause. That's what I want to know. Where's it at? If you're going to tell me that some law is out there, then you better tell me where they got the authority to write that law. Okay? And that's the issue. We allow all kinds of laws to be written that undermine the supreme law of the land in the Constitution. And it undermines the role of government, which is to be the minister of God. All right, Romans 13. And in our form of government, it's not a monarchy. In our form of government, the people are the government. That's why the Constitution starts, we the people. We are the king of Romans 13, if you will. And we've delegated authority to certain individuals to represent us by upholding the Constitution. And sadly, we've had our ears tickled by whatever person comes along. They tell us they're going to give us this, they're going to do that, they're going to have it. You know, and this is another thing. The conservatives come out and they tell us they're for smaller government. But have you noticed that almost every time they give a solution to a problem, it's bigger government in some form or fashion? Almost every time. It's never to just eliminate stuff. It's to add something on. 
I remember after Sandy Hook, we want to have uh, uh, we want to have more police. Well, that's growing government. That's growing the police state. A policeman at every every school. Why don't you just say we're going to do away with the police at the school, and we're going to let teachers and principals um, exercise their Second Amendment rights? Why don't we just do that? That saves a lot of money. Doesn't infringe on people's liberty. And obviously people trust their kids to the state indoctrination centers. Why won't they trust them with the state indoctrination center agents? Hmm? I mean, you ought to ask yourself that. You really should. But that's, that's always their answers for these things. Now, real quickly, and then I'm going to play this, uh, this video, which is an interview. And uh, I think you're going to find it shocking, to say the least. Okay? Very sobering in what is said. All right? I want to point you to this one. This is by our friend Suzanne Hamner. She's in the chat room this morning. Good morning, Suzanne and everybody else there. (laughs) And um, Bill Gates is on board with GMO mosquitoes to administer vaccines, or the, the jabs, the injections, the medical devices, the operating systems, bypassing informed consent. That's right. He's on board with taking little genetically modified organism mosquitoes and having them prepared to give you the injections without your knowledge. Yep, she writes on this. This comes out of Great Game India. Now, by the way, Great Game India is the ones who put out the report where the vaccines that um, Bill Gates was using in Africa that were killing more girls than the disease they were vaccinating for. They're the guys who put that report out. Flying syringes. This comes from um, Great Game India, February 26, 2021. Flying syringes is a phrase that is used to refer to a proposed project funded by Bill Gates to create genetically modified mosquitoes that inject vaccines. Normally, these guys go in and they suck your blood, don't they? (laughs) Um they, they do this into people when they bite them. In 2008, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation awarded $100,000 to Hiroyuki Matsuka of, good grief, Jika Medical University in Japan to do research on genetically modified mosquitoes. This guy in Japan thinks it may be possible to turn mosquitoes that normally transmit disease into flying syringes so that when they bite humans, they deliver vaccines. Well, doesn't, doesn't the army and stuff already have sort of technology like this stuff anyway? Where they have these, didn't we read years ago where they're doing this with bees and they, they're basically not even genetically modified, they're little machines. Why go through all this trouble? The hope is that such mosquitoes could deliver protective vaccines against other infectious diseases as well. If he proves that his idea has merit, he will be eligible for an additional million dollars of funding. The Washington Post referred to flying syringes as a bold idea. In fact, Bill Gates once did actually release a swarm of mosquitoes on unsuspecting crowd on an unsuspecting crowd at a TED conference. You know, those are the feel-good talks. 
There's no reason only poor people should have the experience. <laughs> have the experience of being injected with something that you don't know you're being injected with, and if you knew it, you would say no to it. <sighs> Check that out at signsoflibertymedia.com. All right, this is the, the interview that I want to play for you. I think it's, again, I think it's going to be very sobering. If we have to stop... Um, just to sh- close out the show, because this runs right up against the end of the show, we'll do that. Otherwise, uh, this will take us right up to the end. This is Dr. Lee Merritt with uh, our friend Alex Newman from The New American. Do you get the sense that medicine is being weaponized against our freedom and that this coronavirus is being used to trample our rights? Well, you're not alone. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Dr. Lee Merritt, and she's got a, a bio. That I, I could spend all half an hour on, on her bio. I'll just kind of go through it real quick. She started her medical career at age four doing house calls with her <laughs> father. Uh, she's a lifelong member of the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. Uh, she's the past president of the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, which is a wonderful, wonderful group of doctors. Uh, she's a former board member of the Arizona Medical Association. Uh, and I, I, this bio is just incredible. Classically trained physician, got her medical degree from the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry. Uh, she was an orthopedic spinal surgeon for 27 years, studied bioweapons, uh, did her internship at the National Naval Medical Center in Bethesda, Maryland in uh, internal medicine. And then she did uh, residency in orthopedic surgery at San Diego Naval Medical Center. She spent 10 years as a military surgeon uh, all over the place. She uh, she was awarded the Lewis Goldstein Fellowship in Spinal Surgery, the only woman to have ever uh, received that. And uh, just incredible bio. She's been a speaker at Doctors for Disaster Preparedness, a wonderful conference, uh, if you're not familiar with it. And she is uh, something of a free thinker. And uh, so, uh, Dr. Merritt, thank you so much for agreeing to be with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been an exciting week. I was in Washington, D.C. before this. So, Oh, wow. I bet that was exciting. Yeah. Uh, so um, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this this COVID and, and how it, it seems like it's just the perfect excuse to uh, take our rights, shut down our businesses, destroy our economy, uh, overrule our, our you know, personal bodily integrity. Now they're saying maybe we're going to have mandatory vaccines. Uh, what are your thoughts on this COVID? Is the virus, does it really justify the level of hysteria we've seen and the massive expansion of government power that we've seen? Well, the simple answer is no, it does not. And, um, you know, when I gave my talk in August at the Doctors for Disaster Preparedness, the, name, the talk was SARS-CoV-2 and the rise of medical technocracy. Now, I I had been asked to talk and I, I had come up with an idea years before that. Literally, I'd started thinking about a talk for them over the couple of years because I go to the meetings periodically. And my talk was on the weaponization of medicine. The problem is by the time I actually was ready to give the talk, I had to change things so rapidly because they, they did it. They did kind of what I thought, you know, and I really do believe we're at war. We're not, we're, we're in an unconventional, unrestricted war. The kind that the, the, the military Chinese generals talked about 30 years ago, and I'm not saying this is just coming from China, but, but that's the proximate military, militarization of this. And, and my thought before I even before all this happened, when I was just theoretically thinking about this, was, you know, warfare has um, changed over time. You know, we started just hitting each other over with clubs, and then we went to set piece battles, and then we went to, you know, we as Americans, we kind of 
pioneered guerrilla warfare shooting behind trees and the British thought that was unsportsmanlike and, and on and on. But but in our lifetime, uh, what I call military, uh, you know, conflict 4.0, and I made this up before I ever even heard people now talking about fifth generation warfare, but that's really what we're talking about. 4.0 was when we were fighting, say, ISIS or the tower or, or um, Al-Qaeda. And you you knew maybe who the enemy was by the Geneva Convention. They appeared like a standing army. They had uniforms. They had training. They used, you know, group tactics and things. But you really weren't 100 percent sure who the enemy was because you didn't know who was funding them, who was sending them weapons, who was really doing the training. So there was plausible deniability. But what if you could take it the next step further? So what I what I've called and what I've learned, actually, some other people have called Warfare 5.0. What if you had a weapon that was so stealth that not only did you not know who the enemy was, you didn't even know you were being attacked. So it looked like nature. Okay, and that's really what we're in here, in my opinion, is that kind of scenario. So what they've done, and and this is, again, my thinking about this. I didn't read this anywhere, but I know about how this thing came about. One of the things I learned, and I actually learned from a somewhat, I, I figured this out, but then I was confirmed by a Taiwanese engineer on an airplane I was on one night. And he said that they don't listen. The reason they didn't get hit badly with this virus, they figured it out right away, is that they don't listen to what the Chinese Communist Party propaganda, their news, listen. They don't listen to them. What they do is they have a whole department that screens their social media. And when they see something get censored, they start looking at it, that that must be the truth. Now, that's something that we should start appreciating here in America today. Wow. But so so I'm going to tell you. I, I believed early on in February that this was a biologically manipulated bioweapon because the minute that anybody popped up with data suggesting that, they were censored. You know, the, the old military air, air the, uh, pilot dictum that when you're catching flak, you're over the target. So I believe that. And I think there's a, I, I, you know, we don't have time to go into it, but I think there's a host of evidence that shows coronavirus is a naturally occurring, very benign virus that doesn't even give most people the cold, but at the most it gives you a common cold, right? Doesn't kill you, doesn't make you very sick. But what they've done is it's the transmission device. So think about how we were years ago. It, when we first came into the nuclear age, we couldn't easily distribute nuclear weapons. We had to drop them from onto the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So we had we just had to take them in a plane. But now we have the hard part is actually the guide guidance missile, the guidance missile technology. So in bioweapons, what we had is we had a lot of bioweapons over the years. And the one I was very worried about was smallpox. But some of these most of these bioweapons were either hard to distribute or there was treatment for them or something. And the problem here is is distribution. So here, like, you know, remember the anthrax thing? It came out in the envelopes. It went to Congress. It's hard to distribute anthrax. It might be deadly to some people, but it's hard to distribute. So let's pick let's make a missile. And the missile is coronavirus, which is a huge, highly transmissible, very small particle virus. It can't be masked away no matter what the propaganda is. You can't hide from it behind a plastic little screen that costs businesses too much money. It's just incredibly transmissible, but it's very benign. Now, add to that uh, the basically the warhead. And the warhead is a little protein that they tacked on that attaches to your ACE2 pathway. And human beings have these ACE2 pathways that's somewhat genetically determined. And when you when you uh, put on this 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 hook, this what they call the spike protein, then it gets into these ACE2 pathways, which now is in your heart, in your lungs, in your testicle, in your brain. It can kill you. Now, 
I believe what happened here is that whether, and we can argue, I kind of think it was let out purposely, but Ida can't prove that. It, it was either accidentally released or it was let out purposely, but whatever it happened. When it first came out, like many viruses, I believe that it was it was worse. The first generation was more deadly, okay? So that it came out, it did kill a lot of people in Wuhan. It did kill people in Lombardy. I tell people, you know there's a problem when doctors are dying, and doctors and nurses in Lombardy were dying. If we can't save ourselves, we're in trouble. That's the time to go to your basement. It does help to go to your basement, <laughs> but you can't then go out to have a beer or go out and go to the grocery store. <laughs> that's that's just shutting down people's business for economic warfare, but real isolation like against smallpox works. So anyway, it first came out to Lombardy. It went to New York. That was probably first-generation virus, and it did kill a bunch of people initially, but just like most viruses, almost all viruses that I know of, you know, as they pass through the human host, they get weaker. This is just a, you know, adaptive advantage. If you're the Napoleon of viruses and you want to take over the world, you don't want to kill every host you come across. You're not going to spread. So what you do is you become less, less deadly, more transmissible. And that's what this has done over time. That's my belief about the big picture here. But what happened is as soon as this thing came out, it became, you know, it's very easy to piggyback onto things. And whether, like I say, whether if this was a planned release, then we're talking about planned warfare. If it was an accidental release, then we're talking about warfare that was piggybacked onto this accidental release. Because what they've done is they've made it, they've used it to create fear. And fear is an incredible uh, psychologic manipulator of populations. If I want to make everybody, you know, if I want to, they've taken, look at the, like you said, they've taken down our economy. They've taken, they're taking down our generation of children with these stupid masks. They're damaging us in all sorts of ways. And it's a psyop at this point. Because here's the other thing we learned, and I don't think they, I don't really think they expected us. Doctors like myself, I mean, we had nothing to do. We were shut down. We were sitting at home. And what do we do? Our response is to study. And we learned lots of things. In fact, I found out that we had treatment for viruses probably going back into the 19, late 70s. And so I graduated medical school in 1980. So I'm an old fart. But my son graduated much later, just recently. And he's a general surgeon. And I asked him, I said, have you ever heard in your entire medical education, all the fellowship, all the stuff you're doing, you ever heard we could treat viruses with with bio, with these antimicrobial agents? No, he never heard it. Called my friend in Florida, 40-year internal medicine professor, real medicine doctor. He said, have you ever heard that we could treat viruses with some kind of antimicrobial agent? No, he never heard that. So this is the biggest lie. I, I tried to publish a paper called that, but they maybe changed the title to something I can't remember. But it's about the fact that they've lied to us for 40 years about this treatment. So here's the big picture. If you have, if you bring out a virus like this, you don't need, when we talk about vaccines and things, why do we have vaccines? We have vaccines because we didn't have treatment for, small, for smallpox. We didn't, and it was a very deadly disease. That made sense to have a vaccine. We didn't have treatment for um, polio initially. So it made sense to have a vaccine. But this even without doing anything, this disease has a 99.991% chance of survival in last viral season. I'll call it a viral season because it really isn't just a flu season anymore. But, mm -hmm. you know, in the winter season, that's what our, our last season, that's what our horrible, including New York and everything, that was the overall survival in the world. As opposed to a standard viral flu season, it's 99.992%. You see the big difference. So, so number one, it's not that all deadly. But number two, we actually have a treatment for this that works extremely well. In spite of all the propaganda and the attempts to falsify the medical literature, which they've gotten caught at, and the attempts to dis, dis, just dismiss anything they don't agree with, 
uh, we not we have treatment for it and it really does work. So we don't need and you say, why would they hide treatment? Well, I can come up with two reasons. One is that um, your $69 billion vaccine industry goes to zero if you have an effective treatment for all these viral airborne diseases, right? So mumps, measles, blah, blah, blah. It might help all of these. We don't know completely yet because they... And, and to be clear, you're talking about things like uh, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. Right, and ivermectin. There are probably mm-hmm. others. These are called lysosomotropic agents. And and I can tell you that my one of my friends called me. He's, a, he's an anesthesiologist, but he's trained in India initially. And, and he was so excited. He called me in the middle of the night when we first kind of... We heard about it before Trump said anything because it isn't... I first thought that they said, oh, they didn't want to go along with this because orange man bad. They just didn't want anything that Trump said was good was bad. But we actually knew about it beforehand. And it's much bigger than anything to do with Trump. So he called me and he said, I think I know how these things work because he got out his old textbook of infectious disease and, and biochemistry, basically, from India. And he figured it out. And I said, OK, well, if that's the way it works, we should be able to find other medications. And then I found the term lysosomotropic agents and I started looking for these. And it turns out there are a number of them. But the bottom line is, why don't they want you to know? Well, the the, the $69 billion vaccine industry goes to zero. But even more than that, if we are at biowarfare right now, as a part of this multidimensional warfare, if you have a treatment in your back pocket, they cannot terrorize you with vaccines. I mean, with viruses. And that's important because even if the, the way they've made this experimental, uh, it's really not a vaccine, but whatever this thing is, you want to tell that they're calling this Pfizer vaccine, this Moderna vaccine, this RNA thing, it doesn't prevent transmission by their own admission. Okay. And even if it did, it is created to act on the, on the, the warhead part of this deal, the, the, the spike protein. So next year, these guys and these bioweapons, which one of the other things I learned, sadly, is that there are these bioweaponeers all over the country and that we literally have funded them. We've literally funded, think about this, we have funded a PLA virologist to come and work in our Army bioweapons lab. That is the height of insanity or treason. And the PLA so, is People's Liberation Army for the folks out there not familiar with right, the, the Chinese, dark, that is communist China. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, it went, under the Clinton administration, by the way, it was completely illegal to have non-aligned foreign students. So if you were from Iran or in or someplace that was not one of our allies, you couldn't even work in a biology lab that worked with lesser pathogens, you know, any pathogens that could be used as a, as a bioweapon. So, so suddenly we've gone from that stance under the Clinton administration to under the Obama administration, actually funding PLH, Chinese communist virologists to work in our bioweapons lab. It's absolute insanity. But I found out that there are these guys, we have more bioweaponeers than I, than I anticipated. I knew the Soviets had them and they were probably around, but I didn't realize how many were generally in the world. So they can now create another little thing to go on this coronavirus. Now they got the missile technology. They can put whatever they want on there. And every year you'd have to have a different vaccine. So don't think that even if you believe vaccine, this type of vaccine will work, which I don't. Even if you believe that, it's not a permanent solution. Viruses are all around us. They're part of nature. We lived with them for millennia. We'll live them for them. Hopefully, if we survive all this, we'll live another few millennia with them. But, you know, we have to have a solution that doesn't involve a, a vaccine of any kind. And that we have those solutions. We have treatment and we have prevention. So not only is hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine good for treatment, it's good for prevention. But the other thing is you can improve your own immune system through supplements. People, the, the you know, big pharma doesn't ever want you to do that. But there's no question. The I 
I was when I was sitting at home kind of getting mad and watching the computer and I kept kicking the screen saying, you know, for all the billions of dollars we pay the CDC, why do they not drill down on the people getting really, really sick and dying? Because have you noticed that there's kind of a there was a bimodal distribution? There were people that were from, you know, that walked away from this thing. Most people, 90 percent of 90 plus percent of people just they never really get sick with this. They get a little sick or they get a flu like thing, but they walk away from it. And then there's a very small percentage of people that are in the ICU or dying. Who are those people? Well, the CDC for all that money never looked at it. Lure, they didn't tell us. But the Indonesians did. And they looked at, and they found out that it was almost the biggest. They looked at a bunch of different things. But the biggest, biggest thing is what your vitamin D level was. If it was above 30, your chance of being in the ICU was less than 4% of, high, of sick people in the hospital. So much less when you're looking at the big population. So biggest thing people can do is get their vitamin D level up and the sun doesn't do it. So that's my big overall view of this thing. And, and I do think it's part of a takedown of America. That is absolutely fascinating, Dr. Meredith. And you know what's funny? Without being a medical professional, without having read all the literature, I was coming to similar conclusions yeah. just from, <laughs> from what I could discern from what was in the Good. press. So I, I want to drill down a little bit more on these vaccines. Uh, you know, it's a hot topic. Just yesterday, Biden, uh, we're recording on, on Thursday, January, what's today, the 14th or the 15th? And just, yeah, the 14th. And just yesterday, Biden put out a tweet that he's going to ensure that every American gets this vaccine. I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> does that include me and my family? Right. Um, do you have any concerns about the safety of the vaccine? And what, I mean, would you recommend to your patients, if you're practicing, to, to take that? Or would you do it depend on their risk profile? What do you think? Well, I have lots of concerns, not the least of which is for the integrity and the moral turpitude of the, of the medical profession, because, you know, we never force people to have a medical treatment. And no matter how you look at it, having a vaccine of any kind, whether it's a flu vaccine or this, is a medical treatment. Nobody should be coerced or forced to have it. And by the way, that's what we hung the, the doctors after World War II in Germany for that principle, for violating that principle, and we shouldn't be doing it. But the medical, the, the safety thing is this. So I always tell people, you know, I'm not going to tell you whether to get a vaccine or not. You have to make your decision up, but you should be allowed to have informed consent. And we're, that is getting so bad that if you put up the uh, package insert for a vaccine on your, on your Facebook, you can get taken down. So let's just keep in mind here, we're not getting informed consent here. We might think we are, we're not. So if you look at the history of these vaccines, just real quickly, these are these are not these are experimental biologics. I don't even like to call them vaccines because tra classically the how vaccines work is this. You grow a bunch of the pathogens. So let's say it's measles. You grow the measles in, the, in, a, in a vat or in eggs. And then you take a portion of that and you make it less strong. You, you attenuate it. You make it weaker. And there's different ways of doing that. And then you inject it into people and their own immune system sees that weakened pathogen. And then they react to it just enough that it puts it in their immunologic memory. And then when they're exposed to it the next time, they memorize it and theoretically they can then better respond. That's what your real body does when it gets sick. You're, you're, you're just without all this vaccination stuff. You get sick with a, with a virus. You get perfect lifelong immunity for the most part. And, and it's over. Okay. So, what, but how is this different? Well, this is not, they're not giving you a pathogen or a piece of a pathogen or a small piece with, a, with an adjuvant, which is a chemical that makes your immune system react more. What they're doing is programming mRNA. And mRNA is a little 
piece of it's 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 like DNA, but it's the messenger RNA. It's what it's what makes proteins in the body. It's kind of like a computer chip that you put into a a 3D printer, and then it you tell it what you want it to make, and it prints it out. Right? That we have that in in engineering, and this is the biologic equivalent. I make a I make some mRNA, and it tells your body to produce certain things. Well, in this case, what they've done, they've made a, a piece of this mRNA to create in every cell of your body that spike protein, or at least part of it. And that spike protein, you're actually creating the pathogen in your body. So, you know, this is where it gets a little wishy about how much of that spike protein is actually being created. And I don't know how to find that. I can't find that. But I'm sure somebody knows. What happens is the problem, and this is the problem, and I'll tell you what happened in the animal studies. There have been four different vaccines and three different animal studies that I know of in ferrets, in um, uh, what's the other cats was cats have a natural thing with the coronavirus. So it's cats and ferrets and I think something else. They started after SARS, they did cats. And then after MERS, they did, which are all coronavirus pathogens that are more deadly. And they, they after MERS, they tried it in ferrets and something else. And what happened is all the animals died. It wasn't subtle, okay? But they didn't die of the vaccine. What they died from was called immune enhancement or antibody-induced enhancement or antibody-dependent enhancement. They call it ADE now, but it's, it's, it, they used to call it immune enhancement. Here's what happens. So they make the RNA, and so you're getting ready with this. They, you get the vaccine, and you do fine. All right. Now you challenge the animal with the virus that you're supposed to be immunizing against. So when they charge, when they challenge those cats with 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 SARS, what happened is instead of instead of killing the virus or you know weakening, what they did is your your this stylized immuno response that they've made, built into your system went out and coated the virus. So the virus came into the human, or the cat's body like a Trojan horse, unseen by the cat's own immune system. And then it replicated without checking and killed the cat with overwhelming sepsis and cardiac failure. Oh and that God. happened in the ferrets. That happened every time they've tried this. And so let me just point out, we have never made it through an animal study successfully for this type of virus. We have never done this in humans before. At least we haven't. Maybe the Chinese haven't. I'll talk about that in a second. But that's that's why we don't really have a track record of success. This vaccine was rolled out to distribution centers before they even made a show of caring about the FDA approving it. Do you realize that? I mean, it went out to for distribution. I know in Nebraska, it was in the distribution center within days before the FDA even said they were going to approve it. Wh what? I mean, it, I've never seen that happen before. And the longest they've really followed people after the vaccine is two months. Well, you see, that's that's not enough time to know that we won't have that antibody enhancement problem. And I will make this military point. This is a perfect binary weapon. You could you could there you there's no way I know exactly what that mRNA is programmed to. And neither do you and neither do most doctors. The doctors can't get at that data. That's the guys, the guys at the very top of this project. OK, they know, but we don't know. They say it's to the spike protein, but how do we prove it? We don't know. So if I were China and I wanted to take down our military, that's easy. I make this, I just do like we've seen happen. I, I, make, it pro, I make it to a something, a, 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 something I could hook onto this coronavirus, like the spike protein or something else, another protein. And I just, I just make a, an mRNA to that, but I know it doesn't exist in nature, so nobody's going to die from the vaccine. 
And then two years later, I released the, the, the whatever it is that I made. You see what I'm saying? The counterpart. And it causes wow. this immune enhancement death. So it's a delayed death. That's what binary, binary poisons are. They're delayed. They're, I give you part one because it, you know, I, and then I can walk away and then you accidentally get in contact with part two and die and you can't trace yeah, it. And, and, and that's not gone. a hypothetical threat. That's I, not a hypothetical. There, there, there was a, a leak of members of the Communist Chinese Party out of Shanghai, and there was hundreds of them working in Pfizer and AstraZeneca and GlaxoSmithKline, the companies that were making these vaccines. That is absolutely terrifying. So we're going to uh, trust them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. In our, that they're acting in our best interest. Where, where, where do we go from here, Dr. Merritt? In the last few minutes that we have left, uh, what are your concerns about what's coming on the horizon? I've, I've talked to doctors. They've said maybe we're coming up to a, a COVID 2021, uh, you know, some, some variation of this. They've talked about this coronavirus mutation that's now supposed to be 70 times more virulent. I don't even know what that means. I don't know how you how you measure the. Well, I can tell you. Yeah. That's actually they, what they're, they're. That's the one from Britain. Don't even worry about that. That's just chump change. What they're saying is it's more transmissible. That's like saying I was going 95 on the freeway, but now I'm going to go 97. You know, okay. don't worry about that. Transmissibility, we don't care about. This is so transmissible. It's making it a little bit worse. is not going to be the problem. Lethality is what you're worried about, and that's what we're not talking about. That now they could come out with something else, but again, all. If you come out with something that's based on these airborne viruses like Corona. We pretty much have a treatment, which is the hydroxychloroquine or the ivermectin. So why are they trying so hard? So they're, they're, what we need to do is we need to take back our world from the, from the virology bad boys by having a supply of, of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine available. Now, notice that two, what's the chance of this? Two hydroxychloroquine plants burned down, and they say, oh, no, they weren't hydroxychloroquine plants. No, they made the precursors to hydroxychloroquine, right? So, you know, you're being lied to at every turn. But what we need to do is we need to stand up. Now, I'm, I'm proud to say Governor Ricketts in Nebraska, he's one of the five governors who's not, not restricted hydroxychloroquine in any way, shape, or form. We need to, everybody needs to ping their governor to stop signing this stuff that's being brought to us by the medical universities, they're all being paid by Fauci and the NIH. Let's get over this and let's give your people the ability to defend themselves. This is like saying, okay, we're, we're going to have missiles incoming, but you can't build sand, you know, sandbags. You can't have a basement. You can't have a bomb shelter. No, that's not right. You should be able to have a defense. Doctors should be aware of the defense. We got to quit lying about the defense. And we need to tell people there are five or six things. I have a little COVID kit in my office. It's NAC, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, selenium, and quercetin, six things. And if you do that, you can improve your immune response and your immune, um, your own ability to fight this off and not get terribly sick. It's possible that they are going to come around with more dangerous things, though, in the future. And then we need more than that. So that's why we have to pump. We have to, we have to get the truth out. People have to push around the the, the news that there, we have treatment and patients are getting it, which is sad. Patients are afraid to go to hospitals because they know they're not going to get the right treatment. That is sad. But doctors, and I, I would just make this point to doctors. I get it. If you're in training and you can't speak out, you're stuck. You're not, I don't fault you. I do fault everybody above that. The people that are taking the money from Fauci, the people that are taking the money from the NIH that are willing to take that money and push remdesivir and kill people. Not because they're necessarily killing them when they're in desivere, but they're killing them by omitting treatment early on as outpatient that works. 
And the doctors below those that are out of training, they have to make a moral decision here because you can't, we should be prophylaxing people in nursing homes. We could be saving lives for $5 a week. We could be saving a lot of these old people, but they don't want to. Those are, those are what the, they're considered kind of not contributory to society. That's where the Nazis went with this, people that are not worthy of living. We have to get over that because you, you guys, the doctors that are making the choice to, to be quiet because, yeah, they got a mortgage, they got two kids, and they don't want to lose their university salary, it's time to rethink your position. I think everybody needs to, to in the medical community, we need to man up and be honest here. The, and the information's out there. Don't tell me there's no evidence. You know, they're lying to you about the evidence. If you really make any effort on the internet, you can find the evidence. And if not, you can go to the, um, I'm a frontline doctor. You can go to America's Frontline Doctors, AFLDS.com. You can go to the uh, America, the Association of AAPSonline.org, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and many other organizations are speaking up now. Excellent, Dr. Mary. That's the last thing I was going to ask you. Uh, any, any final websites that people should visit? Uh, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, which is a phenomenal group. Uh, the Frontline Doctors. Any other groups and any parting words of wisdom for us, Dr. Merritt? Well, there's the Barrington Declaration. And um, I mean, there's just so much on there. If you just kind of go to alternative sites, um, SOT.net has lots of good articles. I would say if you want to get out of the pandemic right now, it's really easy. You turn off your TV. You take off your mask, you reopen your business, and you live your life. You hug your relatives, you go see your old old relatives, and, and you have neighborhood parties. Because let me tell you, we cannot live in a basement. Even if you think masks work, don't do this to your children. How many decades are you going to do this? Live every winter, every year in a mask from now on? No, not doing All right. Uh, that's the end of the, the – the, um interview there and uh i hope it's insightful look i disagree with some of the things that she says she's a smart lady no question about that um and there are people who have a different they have the germ theory versus the terrain theory i'm convinced the terrain theory is is what it is because i think it's more in line with what the bible says um about taking care of the the temple of the holy spirit choosing life over death trusting god that if we hide ourselves in him he becomes our protector and our provider and all of those things even of the perilous pestilence and sorry for getting off a little bit on the on the conversation in the chat on something else that really had nothing to do with this but i think what she's getting at is people who have taken the vaccine What's in the vaccine is doing something to your immune system so that the next time the corona, and there really is a coronavirus, there's nobody denying that, that it comes around, a lot of people are either going to get sick or they're going to die. And this seems to fall in line with what Dr. Sherry Tenpenny said, three to six months, we'll start seeing what what's really going on with these vaccines. And uh, again, the numbers that Tenpenny and uh, Dr. Merrick gave were at least double low, okay, because... We know the CDC's admitted almost 1,200 have died between December and February. With that in mind, guys, warn your warn those that you love about these kinds of things. Tell them to trust in the Lord, our healer. All right? 23 hours, see you.